Welcome to Return to Oswald. I'm Derek, and as always, I'm joined by my homeboy, Brandon, and my homeboy, Scar. Um, Return to Oswald is now on Season 2, Episode 4. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and start off by saying, Scar, real quick, how are you doing? I'm doing well, except for these hiccups. So, um, other than that, I... I, I like this episode because it was the launching off point to where shit's going to go left. And I am happy. <laughs> Brandon, how are you doing? I'm great. I want to know why y'all didn't tell me Stabler was going to be on this show. <laughs> I love me. Because I, I can't. Hate. Because you to can't. tell you that would be to delve into things that you don't want to know yet. You don't I love to hate Stabler. Stabler is one of the worst people on TV. Really? And I, and I love to hate him. Huh. Well, what do you mean? The guy who beat the, who a cop who beats the crap out of people for no reason, no due justice, just runs around fist first hitting people? No, I love to hate him. When you put it like that, it makes him sound like an asshole. Yeah, I love to hate Stabler. So if I get to hate Stabler on two shows, it's even better. <laughs> I don't even know his name in Oz. He's just Stabler. <laughs> well, this episode was called Losing Your Appeal. Um, and basically, IMDb has a synopsis, but as always, I don't fuck with their synopsis because it ain't right. Um, so I'm going to do my own synopsis, which is this. Augustus gets mad as fuck Saeed. <laughs> because Saeed fucks everything up. Literally, literally everything that the assistant district attorney said was going to happen fucking happened. Yep. Um, after Saeed set fire to Hilt to Augustus's chances of getting out of jail, he moves on to fuck with Poet. Meanwhile, O'Reilly survived his uh, breast cancer surgery, his lumpectomy. He's now in the middle of chemo, and he has now grown an unhealthy addiction to uh, Dr. Nathan. Um, and also, Beecher meets his new cellmate, uh, Christopher Keller. That sounds about right. Okay, cool. So I just want to start off by uh, giving the flowers to Harold Perrineau. He was acting his ass off. He's a motherfucking genius, fam. Let me see. That's that's Augustus. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a fucking he's he's a dynamo. Like the the very first scene of this episode, I mean, it wasn't like something where it was worth it enough for me to play it as a as a as a scene or anything, but he just comes out this whole this whole episode is really his episode uh for lack of a better idea. And he really really does excellent. But I'm not surprised because he always does extremely well in whatever show he's in whether it's this or uh one of my favorite movies of all time romeo and juliet um so i just wanted to state oh, for the record how dope best he is. man best or the man. best man 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 so richie who we met in the last episode because he was the one who was sitting there when uh alvarez was laughing about uh glenn's daughter getting sexually assaulted uh richie is walks back into his pod and he gets accosted by Mark, which is the name of uh, Schillinger's right-hand man in the Aryan nation. Uh, he gets accosted by Mark and the skinheads uh, and he gets told that if he isn't careful, 
what happened to Alexander Vogel is going to happen to him. Uh, Richie doesn't so much realize the Mark killed Vogel as Mark literally tells him, yeah, Schillinger and I killed Vogel. I was always told the only way that you could keep a secret is if you keep it to yourself, and this is fucking why. Uh, Richie Hanlon was convicted on June 3rd, 1998 of possession and distribution of controlled substances. His sentence was eight years, and he was up, up for parole in five. I say was because another guy came up to Richie after uh, Mark forced Richie to felate him. Um, another guy comes up to Richie on the second tier as Richie's going back into his pod and he tries to proposition him as well, uh, saying some white folk shit like my pud. I'm get my pud. Is, is fellate the verb for fellatio? Yes. The, the really? Yeah, they, did, they didn't show it, but he, yeah, but he, but definitely he told him to do that. <laughs> right. So, right. Right when it right when the conversation was about to be over, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and. You thought I forgot that I made that request because I told you <laughs> that I killed somebody, but no, now I'm back to my request. Fell at me. Yeah, he, he went he went full. Y'all must have forgot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this other guy comes up to Richie and tries to proposition him uh, on the second tier, and Richie punch pushes him. He punches him. He was a red shirt. Yeah. yeah. And the guy uh, flips over the railing at a second tier and lands right in front of uh, Peter Shabetta and dies. Now Richie's going to be charged with murder, but just like Randy did in The Wire, Richie can tell him about a body if they let him go. So he decides to snitch on Mark and Schillinger to uh, get a lesser charge, um, which I thought was, you know, why not? Nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Um, he was like, yo, if you're going to snitch on him, you better make sure you have something concrete. So uh, then Glenn calls Schillinger into his office or into an office. That's not Schillinger's office. But he calls him into um, a, a, a area where they're talking. And I guess Glenn thought that he was going to be able to... I don't think he thought that this was going to work, honestly. Hold on. I got to say this. I, I actually... I, I, didn't, I didn't dislike Glenn that much this episode. But one thing did piss me off greatly about Glenn. And that is the fact that he knows at least as far as this show goes back, that the COs in this place are trash. They're terrible. They got, they're part of cliques in Oz. Like, you know that they, like, they've been, they've killed people. They set people up to get killed. They're horrible. If you got some information from an inmate about a murder that happens in Oz, you probably should want to keep that on the low, on the hush. Like, keep that between you and McManus and, you know, Somebody above y'all, like, why are you, why are you discussing this with your CEO? Because the CEO, we'll get to it in a little bit, but the the CEO that ran up on, on Homeboy was a random dude we never seen before. So, it clearly he was talking to a bunch of people about this to make this knowledge that some random white supremacist CEO could run up on him, and and threaten his life. You got to keep that shit to yourself. Like you know your CEOs are a problem, and you still letting this happen. And the worst thing about the CEOs being 
being like in gangs or, or a, a part of these different groups, they're not a part of a group themselves. They are all a part of the Oz groups. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this dude, this dude was in the Aryan Brotherhood. Apparently one dude was really into Saeed and, and dropped him off a gun. And like, you know, like all of this stuff, like, and then uh, whoever, um, which, um, uh, uh, the O'Reilly's homeboy and stuff like that. Like they are cool with the groups that are identified in Oz and not just not just identified as a group themselves. It makes no sense. I just I when it's all said and done, I think that Saeed's homeboy should be at the bottom of the pile as far as troublesome niggas. But then you realize that he literally snuck a gun in and he goes all he the way to the top. A gun in. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty I mean that's pretty high I mean that's not to the top the top is the people like sectioning it off so they could kill people like that's the top that's accessory to murder Saeed didn't murder anyone with the gun so technically once he gave Saeed the possession whoever had murdered somebody with the gun Saeed was accessory by laws of possession mm-hmm. but like yo they brought in Wood Harris just to drop off a gun <laughs> Hey man, where's my script? You don't need one, <laughs> right? Here's your gun. You got two Give lines. Give this to him. You got you got two lines. One, oh yo, y'all got Saeed in here, and then Saeed, I drop something off for you. Like this, Saeed, them really- your clothes. I wash something with them. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, Glenn catches up. Glenn pulls uh, Schillinger into a meeting, like I said, and he tries to. Uh, talk to Schillinger but you know Schillinger ain't having that shit well that depends on if your information sticks here we are again Schillinger Wait, this time I got proof that you killed Vogel proof your friend Mac confessed horseshit he told another prisoner that you and he did the deed together oh a jailhouse confession Please, Mac will deny it. And it's the two of us, our word against whoever the jabber is. Mac's in the other room right now, spilling his guts out. Like I said, horseshit. And even if he was, do you think I would admit to you that I did it? In your wildest fucking dreams, would I ever give you that satisfaction? No. No. Take him out. He literally had to tell him, no, no, you wouldn't. And also, I just want to point out, horseshit is literally the whitest cuss word in the history of anywhere, period. Niggas will say bullshit all day long. Get out of my face with that bullshit, man. White folks say horseshit, or if they go to church, that's some horse pucky. Uh, so then Richie gets taken to the hole uh, somehow the only person who gets to talk to him in the hole is this CO yeah listen up and listen good some friends of mine are very upset that you tried to pin a certain murder on them for that you're a dead man However, 
They're offering you an alternative. Since you're already in here for one killing, they suggest you also confess to Alexander Vogel's murder. Take your chances with the court. At best, you get life. At worst, you get the death penalty. If you get life, my friends will let you live. If not, you're a dead man anyway. So choose. Helen, I don't want to see him. I have a confession to make. Good boy. You know, we were just talking about liquid swords, and that basically came up as choose the sword. <laughs> man, that, that white man, I don't know what it is. But that's the scariest looking motherfucker in that entire prison. First of all, I thought that was Kane from WWE. Um, secondly, no, he's, he's just an asshole politician now. Secondly, like, yo, okay, so you tried to snitch on my boys, but it didn't work. So now in addition to the body that you caught out of self-defense, you're going to take the body that they caused, which might give you the death penalty. But if it doesn't, my boys won't kill you. Choose the sword. Yeah. <laughs> this is quite simply, this dude was in here for possession of controlled substances, got eight years, would have gotten out in five. He would have gotten paroled because he hadn't done anything to anybody. He rebuffs the advance of somebody who's pushing up on him. Nobody believes it's self-defense because he literally punched somebody over a tear. Like that is the worst luck. I yeah. feel bad for Richie. Very much so. Like he just he just ended up in the middle of like, damn dog, like for real. This shit just feels like a a a, a um Southwest commercial. Like you want to get away. Like this just feels like a lot of now, unnecessary this, shit. This, <clears throat> this is a lot of this is Glenn's fault. Glenn is in there talking to Schillinger, giving the whole game away. I got a witness. I know your boy Matt told someone. There's only one person recently that Matt probably talked to that said, I killed what's-his-face. So as soon as he said that, Schillinger goes back to him and was like, who'd you tell that you killed? Boom. Then we go and terminate that dude. That's all it took. All mm -hmm. Glenn had to be like is, yo, we got some information from an inside source that you and Matt set up what's-his-face. So either you can admit it now or we'll take our chances in, in the court system. It's up to you. But I mean, it is it is kind of like uh, what DMX said. Only two of us knew the answer and one of us dead. Like at this point in time, Schillinger knows his boy ain't going to snitch to everybody. So it's like, who did you drop that information to and why? So even if, even if Glenn has said we have a, a, a source who told us this, there's no way it wasn't going to get back to them knowing about Richie. Yeah, I think he and, and then trying to pull the whole well, he's in there spilling his guts. Like you might want to say something. Like, come on, dog. Like that don't work. That don't even work on TV most of the time. Like, come on, dog. What are you doing? Just on some extra credit. It, it like, makes no sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he, he really the 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 warden fucked that up. And I mean, he played himself knowing that Schillinger wasn't going to fold. Like, he knew it wasn't going to work. So why'd you even do it? Exactly. That's why when you're saying you you 
weren't put out about this part, Brandon, I'm pretty put out. Like, why would you even take this gambit? You knew it wasn't going to work. When he said, do you think that this is going to fucking work? He was like, no. <laughs> like, I don't know, but I don't understand why he needs this confession. True. Like, wh- why do you need this confession? Just go to the courts with because, because they ain't got no proof. They, what, what proof do they have other, other than this, this random dude's word? You can't even that, blame it on the white folks because you know black folks hate them too. <laughs> so it's like it is like he he didn't have any proof. I I don't know if he had an, any way of getting any proof. Like I mean, are, are there cameras anywhere in this place? Like like you would you would think at the very least that there should be cameras in the gym. Like. After after what happened to Leon, like there should be cameras in the gym at least. That's what this dude was hung up at. Mm-hmm. But obviously, no one thought about that. So like, so now you got to just try to get confessions out of dudes who you know ain't gonna say nothing. The, the warden played his hand and he lost. And speaking of um, playing the hand and and not knowing what you you know getting into or not knowing what you're doing. Augustus is super fucking amped up about his hearing. Um, watching this again, I felt sorry for him when he said he thinks that he could be freed and watching the Yankees by sundown. Um, Even if you do win, win your case, they're not letting you just walk out of the fucking courtroom right there at that time. Nigga, you killed a cop. Exactly. Like, I don't care if the if the judge did everything you said he did. I don't care if the judge pulled his pants down and took a piss on the Bible while you were taking your oath. You shot a cop and killed him. They're not just going to let you walk out free. I don't know what, I mean, I mean, obviously he listened to Saeed, and he listened to Saeed way too much, especially when, 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 the, when the assistant... DA broke that shit down to him. It's like, yo, this is how this is going to go. You need a real lawyer. Stop fucking with this dude. You might have a chance, but you need a real lawyer. Stop fucking with this dude. He he's only gonna lead you astray. And he just was like, nah, I'm rolling with you, dog. What is you doing? So Saeed gets his day in court because that's really what he was looking for. And um, this happens. Mr. Saeed. He's already a matter of public record. The Richard Kibler, while serving as a judge on the state criminal court, took money in exchange for giving out more lenient sentences to three convicted murderers. Mr. Saeed claims bias against his client because he neither gave bribes nor knew of that possibility. But that in itself is not bias. The defendant has got to show the actuality, not the appearance of bias. At the same time that Kibler was accepting bribes, my client came before him. Now, my client was found guilty and sentenced by Kibler to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole in 20 years. Your Honor, Augustus Hill murdered a police officer in cold blood. Objection. The nature of his crime has direct bearing on his sentence. I'll be ruled. Mr. Saeed has asked the court 
for an automatic reversal of Hill's conviction due to the circumstance of Judge Kibler's conviction. Due to the circumstances of corruption, that my client was denied his fundamental right to a fair trial presided over by an impartial judge, and that therefore Augustus Hill is entitled to an automatic reversal of his conviction. But there is no precedent for the court to make such a ruling. In fact, to do so would in effect create a rule of law that is beyond the court's jurisdiction. Mr. Saeed, call your first witness. Augustus Hill. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. So then Augustus, I guess they skip right past him doing his uh, his actual being a witness and leads to what I think was the funniest line in this entire fucking episode. How's it going? I can't tell yet. <laughs> this guy Fortunata, he's a uh, he's tough. He's good. And Saeed? He gets overruled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's to tell you something. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. So, uh, Saeed then tells Brand Art. Brandon, sorry, Brandon, what do you think about Saeed at this point in time? I think he's in over his head and he's got too much hubris and McManus calls him out for, no, not McManus. Well, McManus does call him out for it, but before McManus, um, Augustus is what I've been telling y'all since, be, since, since uh, what episode? It was that time when McManus and Saeed had that conversation, whatever that was before the before the riot or during the work, whenever that was, when they had that conversation. And y'all were like, so y'all, you turning on your guy, Saeed from McManus? And I said to y'all, I said, Saeed is putting other people's, taking away other people's choices for his own decisions. He's trying to decide who gets to be a martyr, who gets to be popular, who who, who gets to stand for what. And he's, and he's using those people to prove his point. And I said, that's not cool. Like, like you may want to fight for justice, but everybody don't want to fight for justice, right? Everybody's not an activist. Everybody's not out in the streets. Like some people just want to live and you can't put that upon everybody else. Even if you think you're in the right, everybody may not follow down that path. And that's super selfish. And I said, and that's what that conversation was with him, McManus. And you fast forward to this and that's exactly what he's doing. He's using Augustus as a pawn to not a pawn, but he's using Augustus no, I'm on. to no, you're right. To, yeah. To further something that he wants. And then later on in the episode, he's using poet for the same similar similar thing. But see, here's the thing. He doesn't automatically go to poet. McManus puts him on the poet. Yeah, but I feel like McManus was just like poet is about to quit school. At least if I can show him that his po his po like the stuff that he's doing means something. He won't quit this school because McManus didn't even ask for credit and he didn't even have to get credit for that. Like, like Tupac leaked songs out of prison. They didn't give the, the prison runner credit for Tupac's songs while he was in prison. So like McManus don't have to get credit because he leaked some poems out. In fact, Saeed would probably get all the credit for that, knowing that he's the one with the name that knows the publisher and all that stuff. And so, but when Saeed said, okay, I'll help him. 
Then next thing you know, he's like, we'll get to that. But he starts to take that to the extreme too. And I just, I, I, I just love, I don't love seeing it, but watching Augustus get to the point where he goes from being impressed with Saeed to being ultimately just annoyed with him was just a masterclass to me. The next thing that happens is that Saeed tells Augustus after, after they leave out of the first part of the, uh, the, the trial, Saeed tells Augustus that they need to find a convicted murderer who gave Kibler a, a bribe and got his sentence reduced Be, because, you know, that's exactly what Augustus didn't do. Um, Rebido and Beecher both said that it's a near impossible task, calling it a needle in a haystack. Uh, Saeed responded with, well, the easiest way to find a needle in a haystack is to burn down the haystack. And Augustus looked shooketh as fuck before he realized that didn't, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what did he just say? What, what the fuck does that so, mean? What's that mean, Kobe Bryant? Exactly. <laughs> so Saeed pops up with a four-page list of names and proudly presents, presented them to Augustus the same way that, you know, your kid will pop up with an A paper. And Augustus no, told him he, he he presented that joke like Eddie Kane. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this, dog? And Augustus told him, "Man, we ain't got time to go through these names. We're in the trial right now. We should have done this a week ago." So then Saeed goes to Glenn and asks him again if he can give super phone privileges and fax line privileges. Glenn said, fuck you, basically paraphrasing no. Um, and he's not going to let Saeed. Uh, hmm? This is the part I wanted to talk about. This is where I did agree with Glenn, surprisingly, despite my views about the criminal justice system. I mean, Glenn my, was right. Go for it. My my thing was, right, like, due process is true. And a lot of people do get out on technicalities all the time, right? Mm -hmm. However... Saeed was presenting it as if Augustus did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. he, he was presenting it as, like, you know, this man was, and, 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 and if we're being honest, we see this a lot in social media today, where it's this idea that if you're a Black person in America and you get caught up in the prison system, sometimes we, because it is so fucked up, we we sometimes forget that like sometimes these people do do things that are fucked up right so like the idea that augustus did kill a cop he probably should have went to jail now did he get a fair sentence did he did the judge not hear all the facts of the case did the judge give him a harsh sentence and all that is could be true and if that's going to get you off then fine i mean i don't actually care because you know so many white people get off for random stuff all the time however you don't have to present it like he's just completely innocent. Saeed was basically like, this man was a victim of the system and that's why he's in prison. And I'm like, that's not really why and, he's in and, prison. But, see, but my thing is, why didn't he lean into the fact that yes, he killed a cop, but then a cop threw him off a fucking building? Yes, he's exactly. not concerned about that part. Right, like that's the part you lean into. Someone threw him off a fucking look, hill. Look, what happened to Augustus honestly means piss 
saw to Saeed. He didn't say any. He didn't talk about what happened to, to Augustus. He didn't talk about the shooting. He didn't talk about Augustus getting thrown off the, the 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 over the wall or anything like that. Because what Saeed was looking for in this situation was corruption that's going to help other people out. He's literally okay. Two things. One. Saeed was acting like Augustus was trying to buy NBC the way he was talking to Glenn. <laughs> like, y'all got to see he's being railroaded. Um, and the second thing is I had, when I was going to uh, court with, uh, when I was going to court when I was younger, um, I hired a lawyer who kept trying to put everything into a Christian stint. He was like, we're going to stand on the rules and the foundation of the Bible when we talk about this. And if they don't like that, we're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was a custody case. It was like a child support case. And it was like, dude, like, I, I'll pay. Like, why are we doing all this? I don't want to take my daughter away from her mom. I don't want to fight any of this. No, we're going to do this. And it's like, you're fired. Because you're literally not hearing what I want to do in this. And this is my life, not yours. Which is pretty much what Augustus ended up saying to Saeed. But before that happened. <sighs> so after Glenn tells. Huh? After Glenn. After Glenn tells after Glenn tells Saeed no that this ain't gonna you ain't gonna turn my jail into the people's court. <laughs> Saeed tells Augustus <laughs> that he's going to have his publisher contact the lawyers of the murderers on Saeed's behalf. Um, no, no, no. Before that, he goes, "You'll have you'll be having everybody up out of here on a technicality." And mm -hmm. Saeed was like, "And what's wrong with that?" And I'm like, "Okay." I get it, bro. I get it. I'm with you. Let's get these people out of prison. However, hey, man, I've been watching Oz for 14 episodes now, 13 episodes. And I ain't found it's, nobody uh, that ain't did this shit yet. Yes, yes. Like, I haven't found anyone yet. Like, I've actually been surprised at some of the sentences that people in Oz have gotten for yeah. some of the things that they've done. I'm like, hold on, this person only got 10 years for this? Or only got twelve years for this, so I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be a coon. I'm not trying to you know. No, no, not at all. You're absolutely come right. Come off against the against the against the black man, but however, let's you know. I want a I want a new system. I want a better system. But you know, in, in the 1997 system, if you kill someone, that's probably where you're going to end up. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So. Uh, I mean, they did. They told that white man in the beginning of this episode that you're gonna get charged for murder for self-defense, essentially. And he was <laughs> like, "I, I was defending myself," and they were like, mm, "Were you though? <laughs> were you?" And so he was white as the driven snow. So Augustus uh, told Saeed that. Um, after Saeed tells him that he's going to have his publisher contact the lawyers of the murderers on his behalf, Augustus tells Saeed that that'll take the one thing they don't have, which is time. Saeed responds by saying that he'll create time. Augustus questioned how that was going to happen, and Saeed said that he will file an appeal. The appeal is going to be that the only reason why Judge Lima keeps overruling Saeed's objections isn't that he isn't right. It's because of racism. 
said no again so i'm gonna call my publisher get him to contact the lawyers of all the men convicted still gonna take the one thing we ain't got time then we create time if the decision goes against us i'll appeal on what grounds the only reason judge lemur is overruling all my objections is racism oh it couldn't be because most of your objections are stupid right no it couldn't be because maybe, you know, you're not as good a lawyer as you think you are. You want to replace me? You want to get beat you to take up our cause? Our cause? This is not our cause. This is my fucking life. I am not you, man. I don't want to be a martyr or a fucking saint. All I want to do is get out of here and be free. Either you can do that or you leave me the fuck alone. God damn it. Dangerous. The d- most dangerous thing that he did was give that man some hope. Yep. And and like and had him believing that he could get this shit this shit done, despite everyone telling you he can't get this done for you. He still believed. And when he made that promise that he, he put it on God, he knew he couldn't keep. He made a promise to that man that he would get out of there. And I said that was the dumbest thing that you that you could do. Like the dumbest thing you could do is promise this man anything. Mm-hmm. So Saeed, they go back into the trial. Saeed gives two empty, empty closing arguments, and then Judge Lima ruled against Augustus. Um, but like we said, and like the ADA said, Augustus probably could have won if he had gotten anyone other than Saeed to be his lawyer, because Augustus was absolutely right. The one thing that they needed was time. They couldn't do anything because of the constraints. They couldn't go talk to other uh, lawyers. They couldn't go and do these things all day long. They couldn't do jack shit. They couldn't make calls. They couldn't get calls in. Like, what exactly do you expect them to do? A lawyer outside of prison could have done all of this. Could have done all of that. Exactly. Also, the judge, she actually seemed kind of fair. I I liked her. I remember her from somewhere else, too. I just don't know where it is now, and I, I don't want to look. But I know that like it was when she was older than this, she showed up in a movie. Uh, Saeed said to Augustus that this ain't over. But Augustus said, yes, it is, uh, because I can't handle the hope uh, anymore. The hope is crushing him, which is literally. Apparently, she played in a lot of episodes of 30 Rock. Oh, that'll work. I have seen her in 30 Rock. Okay. Um, because the hope was crushing him, which literally broke my heart. Um, so then they are back in school um, and Poet has a poem, which as y'all know, we are a fan of here on this show. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and let him rock that poem. Um, I'm going to let y'all know ahead of time that he doesn't get all the way through it. Poem? Yeah. That's something I wrote. The inside of my cell see me be seduced by its serenity in my search for privacy behind the locked cages. The makers of the rules rise, but peace dies. Curses is kisses and adoration is disses in this beautifully disgusting place where I, I see my forever call it Emerald City. Expert- oh, faggot, you done with your faggot yet? What are you calling a faggot? Call you a fucking faggot, you faggot. Hey, 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 hey. Oh. 
Now, you already started one fight in here. Next one's gonna be in Gen Pop. Step back. Go on, get out of here. Wagley needs attitude realignment, you know? Well, he's pissed off because I'm forcing him to come to class. I don't get it. He was doing so well learning how to read. Now he's just shut off completely. Well, Adebisi's giving him heat, so I'm trying to give him room to move. What about Poet? Kid's got talent. Listen. Here's a tape recorder. You record five or six of his poems, give this back to me. Why? You got a plan. As we said before, McManus's plan is to uh, take the recordings of Poet's poems and um, basically has Saeed give them to his publisher so then they can get published, which I thought was a, a grand idea. Um, Saeed, however, said that McManus is just doing it so then his education program will get some shine. Um, I think both sides have good points. But yeah. when it's all said and done, um, McManus tells no, Saeed... I know. I disagree. I feel like Saeed was projecting here. <laughs> because, you know... Make me, I, I mean, at least all I can go by is what we see on the show. Yeah. Inside the context of the show, it's not like Big Madness has been going around bragging to people about like how great his school is doing and look at look what's happening, look how he's making a change. It's mostly been like, hey, Kenny, I'm going to get you up in the middle of the night and I'm going to work with you when nobody else sees you to True. teach you how to read. Or I'm going to do these things that like, you know, the, and he recently came out, we talked about what he did wrong with Kenny last episode, but he only stooped to that level because he saw that Adebisi was about to stop him from going to school altogether. Like, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't think he would have showed up at Kenny's room pulling him out like that. True. So, I I don't think I don't think, I think McManus was basically like, this dude has talent and he's learning and he's getting better. Because McManus's whole thing, at least from the beginning, the one thing I can say about him, and, and, a, and a lot of it is hubris, I'm, I can admit, but his whole thing was like, I want to kind of change how the prison system is so that the people who do get out have a lesser chance of coming back in here. Like that's, and he made some mistakes in the past about how he wanted to make that happen. But that's, that has always been his goal is to like make sure these people don't get back in here. And so he sees this dude that clearly has talent, like real, real talent. Like he keeps the whole eyes captivated every time at lunchtime when he stands up to give his poems. Like the dude clearly has talent. So he's basically like, I don't want him to stop doing work because he got discouraged or some people were bullying him or something like that. So like, if I can get his name out there and he can and people he can see that what he does is a real talent, maybe that'll keep him on a straight and narrow. Maybe that'll get him off the tits, and maybe like, you know, when he gets out, he'll have some money and he'll be able to make a name for himself. And then Saeed was basically like, he ain't want nothing to do with it, and then look like. It looked like a, like a Warner, not no, like a Looney Tunes cartoon where the light bulb pops in your head. Because at the end, he goes one time, and then next thing you know, he's super nice to the dude. He's encouraging him. He's like, "Let me talk to my publisher." And then after that, he's telling him like, "Yo, these people are gonna get you out of jail. They're gonna be covering you on the news." And he's the one that got all the media and all that stuff covering it, not McManus. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. Return to Oswald will be back after this brief break. Hey y'all, this is Derek. We want to thank y'all so, so much for taking time out to listen to this show. 
What we'd like for you to do right now, wherever you're at, is screenshot your phone, iPad, or whatever you're listening to the show on, and send it to us on Twitter at Return to Oswald. We'll retweet it to everybody and show that you're a part of the family. Also, if you'll be so kind as to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast at, and subscribe and follow, we'll greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and back to the show. Um, the way that he took him under his his wing was completely exploitive. I felt. Um, but poet ended up getting published in Unseen America, which is an anthology, and he got paid for it. Uh, he used the money to pay for drugs because they were like, "We're not going to give you any more tits because you're broke." Um, in a funny scene, this is another funny scene. Uh, Adam BC's like, "Yo, where do you get this money from?" And poet tells him from from doing my poetry. And Adam BC is like, "Teach me how to write poems." And uh, poet is like, "Nah." No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and um, I mean, uh, at a BC Palm would be horrifying, first of all. That would be horrific to me. Like, I don't even want to know what goes on in the mind of at a BC. Fuck uh, no. But then he says he wants to write rhymes about Nigeria. And Poet responds, don't nothing rhyme with Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, at a BC's like, man, give me them tits. And they both get high off of uh, Poet's supply. And they are walking down the hall talking about what rhymes with Nigeria. They get cafeteria, which works. But works. I don't think you're going to say Nigeria cafeteria in a poem, like, ever. Um, and then diarrhea, which doesn't work at all. Um, but so I, did, did, I, did I see at the end, was that McManus's meeting or was that school that Adebisi showed up to? I think that was his council meeting. Yeah, that was council okay. meeting. Okay, because I thought I heard him say in this scene that he wanted to learn how to write. Is that what he said? Yeah, he wants to learn yes. how to write poetry so he can get paid. Exactly. I mean, you know, some but people that, get motivated by different things. But that one line made how he felt about Kenny reading that book, it made it made that scene work. Mm-hmm. About how he treated Kenny and why why he why he came at him like that. Yeah, because he can't write. Like he's not just talking about writing poetry. I don't think he can write. And I don't think he can read. Yeah. Mm-mm. So uh Saeed sees poet and Adabisi high often things. And I really this may not be the scene of the episode for me. I don't think it is, but this was still a really great scene between poet and Saeed. seen that obesity destroy others with his own self-destruction. Man, we was just, we was just doing laundry, man. <clears throat> we was just doing laundry, man. What the fuck? Hey, you know, you know, you're so fucking clean and righteous, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I got demons clawing at my ass. So do I, my brother, but they can't take me down. 
You must learn to fight with your will. That is the shield of Allah. And they just keep coming. Delusions. This is your reality. Believe in his power. Believe in his power to keep you. Man, that's that bullshit, you know? That's that bullshit. That's Believe. That... Why? I have taken it upon myself to rally a network of eminent riders calling for your parole. <laughs> my parole? I'm telling you, my brother. We're going to turn you into a symbol of justice in America. You're going to be like the phoenix rising through your poetry from the ashes of a crack house. A symbol? Me? Shit. A crowd yeah. has gathered out. So, Saeed does it. He 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 gets his publisher to uh, tell other people about the plight of poet, and this happens. Inside Oswald Maximum Security Penitentiary, in growing support for Arnold Jackson, an inmate whose poetry has fomented a movement of writers and artists demanding that he be granted a parole review. The campaign to free Mr. Jackson started with Foster Perry. The publisher of an upcoming anthology of marginal literature titled Unheard America. Many critics are saying this is a commercial ploy to create a sensation around the book, but several figures in the arts have committed their efforts to Mr. Jackson's piece, claiming he is a rare talent lost inside our country's barbaric prison system. Ain't nobody happy for this nigga except for Saeed, who's really happy for himself, but who's really not happy about this shit is Wangler. Kenny looks furious about this shit. Here's the thing. This is the this is like the reverse Van Jones to me. This is a reverse Van Jones because like like Van Jones has been like you know so he's he did that first step at and like he's been talking about this is when Trump does this and Trump did this to get these black people out of the jail and it, and it's crazy. But but here's the thing, and I heard somebody else saying this. If I'm one of the people that got out of jail because Trump let me out of jail, he commuted my sentence, or Van Jones talked to Trump and got me out of jail, or Kim Kardashian talked to Trump and got me out of jail. If they are happy, I can't be mad at them. Like, I'm like, yeah, I support you, brother. Getting out of, like, I support the idea that you got out despite the fact that I, don't, I think there's a bad actor involved in this situation. However, there are real life people who benefited. Like that first step act did pass, and it's not much, but there are people who benefited from that first step act. And so for me, it's like, yeah, I still don't fuck with Van Jones, but if you're one of the dudes that got out, or you're one of the women that got out because of first step act, I'm happy for you. And so for like this guy, I'm like, Saeed is clearly using this dude. However, if he does get parole early and he does get out because there's a groundswell for him, I'm, he's probably still going to be happy about it, even if he knows that he's being used. Because he's out. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to that, when it comes to freedom, listen, I mean, it's, it's an exploitive system. But if, if someone has to, if I'm in prison and someone, like, let's say, you know, like, you know, the woman, I forget her name, Alice Johnson, I think that was her name, like the woman that Trump commuted because of Kim Kardashian. And she was in jail all the years for a, a drug charge for no reason. And she had no business being in jail all the years. And then Trump was like, I'm going to bring you to the State of the Union. 
and I'm going to talk about you, and then the camera's going to pan on you, and I'm going to use you as a pawn to say that I'm not racist. That's clearly fucked up. However, if I'm Alice Johnson, and I'm like, so you're going to get me out of jail? I was going to be in a jail for the rest of my life, and you're going to get me out of jail, and all I got to do is show up to your, all I got to do is show up to your State of the Union and let you say you got me out of jail? I'm taking that deal 100 times out of 100. You know what I mean? So, like, I can see why a poet wouldn't be that upset about not see the obvious of how Saeed is using them. Because at the end of the day, if this gets him out, if this gets him paid to him, it's worth it. I mean, yeah. Scar, any thoughts? No. I think I think Brandon hit it. No, no thoughts. Right. Um, so next thing we see is that O'Reilly surgery was successful. Um, he asked what the success rate is of it, and they tell and Dr. Nathan tells them it has a 92% success rate after five years, um, and a 68% success rate after 10 years. And he's like, I get out on parole in 11 years. Um, his hair is starting to come out as a result of the chemotherapy, so he shaves it off. Um, it's also making him ill. Um, as he gets ready to leave, uh, the medical ward and go back to uh, Emerald City. They're discussing him in Emerald City, as you know. Rebido knows all about why what O'Reilly is going through uh, because Jesus never fails. Um, never. O'Reilly goes to Shabetta and wants to go back to working in the kitchen, and Shabetta and Chucky won't allow him to come back to work in the kitchen. Um, at the same time that that's happening, a skinhead is giving O'Reilly shit. So O'Reilly bangs him out, like hits him in the nuts and just bangs him out to remind him who he's fucking with. Um, but because of the fight, he has to go to the hole. Um, but because of his weakened condition due to chemo and, and cancer, McManus is worried that his immunocompromised body would get a cold or something and then he'd die and then McManus would have to do paperwork. It was funny to me that he said that because you could literally see the concern on McManus's face while he was saying it, but he had to try and make it sound tough. Like, if you die, I got to do paperwork. And that's some bullshit. <laughs> um, Dr. Nathan tells O'Reilly that he has six weeks of chemo left, uh, so just be cool. Uh, she put her hand on his at that point in time and you could tell that O'Reilly was in big love at that point. Yep. Uh, and that she's, not, but she's not she's not actually she's not doing it. She's not doing enough to to discourage it to me with him. She's kind of leading him on. Um, and he's a terrible person so you know he's going to take that as like you know, you know the whole "give me an inch, I'll take a mile." But this mm -hmm. is like "give him an inch, I'm gonna drive across the world." Like he's <laughs> ready to go to the and earth. Then, and then when she has the conversation with with, with the sister, mm -hmm. she she kind of alludes that she got a little something there on her end, and that's why she's letting all of this happen. And it's like, you don't want these problems, lady. Like, what is your what is wrong with you? You don't want these problems. Here we go. Hello, Gloria. <laughs> What's wrong? What makes you think something's wrong? Well, I'm a psychologist and a nun. Usually, between the two, there's something wrong. 
You know, in med school, the one thing they keep pounding into our heads, doctors don't show emotion. Doctors keep their distance. Doctors don't get involved with the patient. Oh, my. May I ask which one? Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Why him? Why are you attracted to him, specifically? I, I don't know. He's handsome. <laughs> He's got bullshit Irish charm. And breast cancer. My mom had breast cancer. My aunt, my sister. I'm probably gonna get it too. I know what he's going through. That's not love, Gloria, that's empathy. You want my advice? Go home to your husband, make love to him. Stomp these feelings for O'Reilly into the ground because unless you do, you're gonna have trouble. That's pretty much it. Like, yo, you think that you have feelings for him, but what it really is, just empathy. So just recognize it and let that shit go. I like the way Dr. Uh, that that Sister Peter Marie dealt with that. Because uh, that was the most gentle way that it could be done. Um, and then O'Reilly makes it worse by fucking kissing her in the very next scene. Yep. Like, that should get you thrown in the hole for, you know. Yeah. Is he, he, go ahead, Scar. I mean, it's it's like you, you know that this is a line being crossed. And you allow him to cross that line and pull you across. Mm-hmm. Knowing that this is a violation. And this can't lead anywhere good. Mm-hmm. There was yep. no good... There's no good that can come from this. Well, I just got one more thing to say. Because even if this does work out some in some way good for you, his wife already talked came to see see you about some shit. You know what I mean? She already came to see you. Is like make sure he all right. Or I'm gonna have to come see you for real, for real. So you already know that there's another woman in this, and you can't control yourself. Yeah, and the thing with O'Reilly is, like, that's a real thing. Like, there's, like, a syndrome for, like, falling in love with someone who saves your life. Like, that's, like, a thing. Like, the, a person saves your life, and then, you know, that's the person you want to be with. Because, you know, before all of this, right, O'Reilly is a terrible... I don't know what it's called. I think it's something to be of a T. But I know that, like, before before all of this, right, O'Reilly was a terrible person, but he did seem like he had love for his wife. Like he, that did seem like he cared for his wife. Oh, now he's just called white knight syndrome. It looks like it. Now, no, it's no, like, that's someone who needs to do it. My bad. Yeah, that's someone who needs to save you. It's like falling in love with your savior, and so now it's like, oh, I love Doctor Nathan. Like, like it, it's not even like he's not even acting like. You know the typical. I'm in prison. She's a pretty nurse. Transference. You know, Transference. That's what it's called. I'm. That's a. It's a pretty nurse. I'm just trying to. You know. 
get something off because I'm impressed with all these men. He he's acting like he actually cares about this woman, and it's I think it's all tied to him, her saving his life. Like that's what it's all tied to. So the next thing that happens, they're both they're both making mistakes. I'm sorry, they're both making mistakes. I understand his perspective. I don't understand hers. Yeah. Like his is, you saved my life. I think I love you now. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that happens is that Rebido uh, is taking a piss. And um, somehow he moves the tiles out of the way of where the mole is digging his hole to escape from jail. And so he asked the mole if he's still open to Rebido helping him to escape uh, because Rebido used to be an architect, so he knows about structures. I don't think that's going to turn out well. Uh, (laughs) What does that that tell you about digging holes? Anybody can do it. Um, The council still wants conjugals, which is immediately denied by McManus. He's still saying, soon, fellas. Shabetta doesn't want conjugals. He wants Adebisi to wash his ass every so often for health code reasons. <laughs> Yo, they, and they went in on my man, Leo. That was, that it was literally dirty. Like, yo, they went in on him. I ain't heard somebody, I ain't heard them say somebody stinking. Everybody joined in that much since uh, Scott Ross fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did I mention he stink? Like, <laughs> So now Peter wants to join up with Alvarez to strengthen their drug trade because Alvarez is selling the pharmaceuticals out of the hospital and Peter's selling heroin and weed. But he also wants Adebisi dead. And Alvarez declines and said, why don't you have Chucky do it? Because if a Latino kills a brother, they're going to go to war. Um, so he leaves a cell. He's like, go fuck yourself. In the very next moment, Adebisi asks Alvarez to go on the business with him but only if he kills Shabetta. Alvarez, again, declines. Instead, he told his friend that uh, they're going to stand back and watch Adebisi and Shabetta kill each other and then pick up the whole, and then pick up the pieces. Um, also, I want to point out that Augustus heard the whole thing, but uh, nobody minds because he ain't a gangster. Um, the next scene is that Shabetta and Adebisi are staring at each other from their pods, which are literally right across from one another. Um, and Alvarez is watching both of them, hoping they go draws. at it the next day in their draws. And yeah, yeah, but 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 Alvarez looks like he's about to jack off at the excitement. And Adabisi looked like he about to just come from the music he listening to. Like this nigga literally got his Walkman stuffed into his draws. Yes. Uh, so the next thing we do is we meet Christopher Keller, who was convicted on. Um, June 16th, 1998 for felony murder, two counts of attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, robbery, DUI, and reckless driving. His sentence was 88 years and he's up for parole in 50. For some reason, McManus made up a rule that got Augustus moved out of Beecher's cell because McManus wanted to shake things up uh, and Keller got moved in. Now, I had never heard the rule before. It had never gotten mentioned before that McManus sometimes just moves cellmates to and from uh rooms to be with one another no that was a new thing that's part of his new 
you know, remember like in the beginning, it's like, I'm trying to do things differently this time. We're going to do this whole thing differently. That's, that's his new differently thing. It's like, you don't want people getting too attached to make bad decisions. So. I mean, it'll work. I'm just like, where the fuck are you going to move a guy? Well, it would work if you didn't, it would work if you didn't bring Stabler in there. Well, I'm just saying, where are you going to move Augustus? You can't put him upstairs. So what happens is that uh, Keller comes in and Beecher's like, I don't trust you, more or less. Don't I don't trust you. Don't touch me. Um, and then Beecher gets forced to talk to Judge Lima uh, by McManus. Um, but before that happens, Mark tries to punk Keller while Beecher's on the phone in, in the phone area. Uh, Keller, Mark tells Keller that it'll cost $10 for him to use the phone. Um, and a fight breaks out. Beecher runs out of the phone area and grabs one of the Aryans that's with Mark. And Keller swings his cast at uh, Mark and breaks his nose. Um, Keller tells Beecher that he appreciates Beecher jumping in to help him. He tells him he owes him one. Beecher's like, I didn't do it for you. I did it because I fucking hate those Aryans. Um, Beecher is then told by McManus again that he has to talk to, to Judge Lima because she wants to see Beecher. Beecher's like, I don't want to do it. And McManus once again says, nah, you got to do it. It might be therapeutic. This is the second time. No, McManus didn't do it last time. Last time it was Sister Peter Marie doing stuff to Beecher that they think will be therapeutic for Beecher, and it never is. Um. What she does to Beatrice, she sits him down and tells him that she was biased against him because he had had a prior DUI and because it was a little girl and the little girl's family and because he was a lawyer. And so she doesn't know if she judged him fairly and she thinks his sentence may have been too harsh. And she basically gets told to fuck the fuck off. And then as he leads out, she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So then Beecher goes back to his cell and he's having bad dreams about Kathy, uh, the little girl who he killed. Um, and he wakes up and Keller tries to console him. Um, and then Beecher's like, get the fuck off me. Don't fucking touch me. Uh, he calls him a homophobic slur. Um, the next day, Keller is in the shower. Beecher comes in while he's in the shower. And uh, Beecher apologizes for calling him a homophobic slur. And Keller tells Beecher that all they have in there is one another because they're not with the Irish. They're not with the Latinos. Uh, they're not with the brothers. All they got is the two of them and that they need to trust one another. Uh, Beecher opens up a little bit and says it's hard for him to trust anyone. And Keller says that he's the same exact way, but they have a long time to be together. So they kind of have to. And then the very next thing we find out, the Keller's working for Schillinger. <laughs> yep. I was hoping that they would hold on to that reveal a little bit. Me too. Like, I, I thought that they would hold it off at least for an episode, an episode. But like, come on, man. Like, that's something that you hold on to. Until like, at least I, the very next episode. Like, they could have put that off for two episodes. Yes, I think so. Uh, I think they needed to set up this baseline. It's it like, yo, they might actually end up being friends. And it's just like, oh, he's working the long game. We didn't Fuck. see that coming. Yeah, they could have treated that. They they 
treated that just as badly as the WWE treated the WCW invasion, in my opinion. Yes. Brandon, your thoughts? I, that was my favorite scene of the episode. I know we were going to ask that at the end, but that was my favorite scene of the episode because Beecher is basically like, yeah, dog, like, I get what you're trying to do, but, like, when I killed that girl, that beat, that, that Tobias Beecher, he gone. He, he don't exist anymore. Like, he's, he's not, he's, he, he's not, he's not real, okay? He's, you know, like, he brought up WWE. He's mean Mark Callis, and now I'm the Undertaker. Like, mm-hmm. that guy don't exist anymore. I'm a whole new gimmick. This, this gimmick is a new person right now. And, you know, I, I guess I appreciate your pity, but, you know, it don't do nothing for me now. It's not like you're about to say, let's retry the case and give you a fair sentence. you just here because you feel bad. Bye. Let's go ahead and play it. Are you going to force me? Yes. Why? Because I think it'll be therapeutic. Ultimately, you'll thank me. You know what? You're a cunt, too. Mr. Beecher, I appreciate your taking the time to see me. Well, you know, it's a nice break from getting fucked up the ass. Beecher. It's all right. You can speak freely. I'm afraid in court you never had that chance. Would it have made a difference? No. Lady, what do you want? I've been a judge for 16 years. I've made over 2,500 decisions. Most of them were good. But only one has haunted me, yours. You see, I've always prided myself on being fair, that in my court, justice was truly blind. But in your case, that little girl, her parents crying, you being a member of the bar, your prior arrest for DUI, the senselessness of it all, it caught up with me. I was quick-tempered and spiteful to the point where I can't tell if I gave you a fair trial. Now, seeing you like this, I I think maybe the punishment exceeded the crime. And I'm... Uh, well... You're what? Sorry? Your Honor, you used all your power to crush me. But the truth is, I did kill Kathy Rockwell. And as much as I tried to manipulate the legal system to get off, to get out of it, I took her life. According to the law, each crime is worth a certain number of years. 
You gave me a maximum of 15 years in this fuckhole. Is that too much? Too harsh? Not enough? I don't know. You say you're haunted by what you did? Well, so am I. And if you came here for me to forgive you, you've come to the wrong man. He ceased to exist the day Kathy Rockwell did. And you're not gonna get any more peace out of him than I do out of her. Yeah. Therapeutic, thanks. I mean, that, all yeah, that did was serve to move him further down into the hole to where he started to trust Keller. Because yeah, if, if that hadn't happened, she wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have had that nightmare. Keller wouldn't have consoled him. He wouldn't have called him a homophobic slur. They wouldn't have had that moment in the shower where they reconciled a bit. Ugh. I, I think I think Keller would have got through eventually. Oh yeah, because I mean. Because we know who he's in league with, he knows everything there is to know about him. Yeah. And so like right right now he's he's basically dirty macking for some for some for some reason. We don't know the reason yet, but he's basically dirty macking. He knows everything there is to know about this dude. And he just kind of slid in there. Like how they ended up making this dude his roommate and all of that kind of stuff, like all of this stuff just kind of lined up perfectly to put, put him in a position to gain this dude's trust. And I don't think it would have, I don't think this would have pushed any direction other than the way it was already going to go. Once they made him, once they made that dude, his, his cellmate, it was it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to come around at some point. And so the final scene is Shirley, Be Shirley Bellinger, who shows her twat to Big Pete. Uh, by the way, Big Pete's name, I, I did some research. His real name is, uh, his name on the show is actually Timmy Kirk. But she shows her twat to him. Um, and then they show that she drove into a lake to kill her daughter. Um, she probably blamed a black person for it. Likely. So, yeah. She probably took, she probably, she probably was proud of it. She seemed like a crazy person sitting yes. on that cell. Oh, she is. She is, <laughs> she is, she is, she is far, far gone. Um, there's, there's a scene that happens later that <laughs> is, is, is funny and tragic all at the same time. Yeah, she seems like a crazy person to me. So that ends that episode. Uh, Scar, what was your scene of the uh, episode? I don't know. I I would probably say uh, like Augustus losing losing his shit. Like I think that 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 scene meant the most to me. But like you you brought this on yourself by not listening to everyone else. Mm -hmm. But like. Him losing his shit, and then the the judge. I like I like the judges acting 
like you know she you know she's been in this <laughs> i looked at her imdb she's been in the game for a long time her her first acting job was in 1948 uh she died in 14 though damn um but so she's she's been in the game since since the 40s and she acted her ass off in the in that scene so that's me and who do you have winning the episode Beecher. Oh. Brandon, who you got winning the episode? Wait, wait, why do you got Beecher winning it? Because uh, Beecher is just really hard to beat in any episode. You know <laughs> what I mean? To, to, to me, he is super hard to beat in any episode because like in any, it, like he, he, he stands out in every scene he's in. Even when like the riot was happening and like all of this shit is happening, him just going crazy and screaming and all that kind of stuff. He's just, he, he just steals your eyes. Like you can't not pay attention to this dude because you have no fucking idea what's, what's going to happen. He's just like, you know, he's, he's a loose pit at this point. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Is that your dog? Like, <laughs> for real, is that your dog? Who dog is that? Like, that's how did, I feel about Beecher. Did you notice how when uh, Keller first came into the pod with him, he started trying to act crazy? Like, doing yes. that whole singing a, a nursery rhyme sort of thing. Like, he was trying to... Arr, 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 arr. Yes, exactly. Brandon, who you got? In storyline, yeah. oh, one episode mm. <laughs> because you know he got paid and he got his poems published and he, he got, got his tits. trying to fight him to get out and he got his tits. So you know, in the storyline, he's he's living on cloud nine now. I don't know what Kenny's gonna do because you know, yeah, Kenny looked like he hating very much. So you know, I don't want to say hating. No, he's hating. He the nigga hating. threw a roll at his head. Yeah, I'm like. Kenny's mad because, you know, Poet is learning, I guess, and being able to express it and Adebisi stopping him. But, you know, the optimist in me is going to hope that, you know, Adebisi learns from this and goes, you know what, maybe the school thing's not so bad and lets Kenny go on and have his lessons. Okay, at the very reach. least, if, if, Adebisi, if Adebisi goes, get your education so we can get paid, like, I'm going to get paid through you, Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that would be smart of Adebisi to do. Now, is Adebisi smart? Yeah. He's just insane. Say, you could say no. It, <laughs> yeah. It's okay no. to say no. Adebisi is insane. He, like, we talk about Beecher being insane, but no, Adebisi, I don't know. Adebisi isn't insane. He's, he's, he just don't give a fuck. I think yes. that's the best way to put it for Adam Beach. He's not crazy. He just really doesn't Beach. give a fuck about anything. Beach, uh, uh, Beecher is acting out of his id. Adam Beach is the id. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think I gotta say Poet got this episode just to see what happens with him next as far as him getting parole. Um, like Saeed fucked Augustus over um, so I can't give it to Augustus even though uh, like I said at the beginning the acting that Harold did in this episode was above and beyond like seriously 
Um, yeah, that dude. That dude is super talented. I don't. And, I don't know why he's not a bigger name. I don't know. I know his frustration though. I know that frustration when you finally break because somebody just keeps on fucking up your future. <laughs> yes. Uh, for me, it was kids. So the next episode. Oh, oh, when we talk, when we talk about Augustus here, we completely forget he played in the Matrix too. That's because I tend to forget about any Matrix past part one. Okay, yeah, that's right. He was in the other two, right? Yeah. If it happened in the other two or the cartoon, it didn't happen. Even though I know we're going to end up having all of the Matrixes on hindsight at some point. Nah. (laughs) So the next episode is called Family Business. Uh, Brandon, any thoughts on what happens in the next one? Uh, I didn't think about it, but hearing that title, it sounds like something to do with Shibeta and those people. So we'll see. What do you mean, those people? Well, uh, thank y'all to everybody who checks out the show. We greatly appreciate it. Please leave a five-star review uh, wherever you listen to the podcast. At If you can't leave a five-star review where you listen to the podcast, just go to Apple. Um, the email address is returntooswald at gmail.com. Feel free to leave us an email. We'll hit you back. Um, you can hit up the show on Twitter at return to Oswald. You can hit up Scar on Twitter at the Scarfinger. Wait, no, Scarfinger. It's right. just Scarfinger. Yeah. Not the Scarfinger. Right. It's just Scarfinger. Um, and you can hit up Brandon on Twitter at that cool black BLK nerd. Um, you can also check out Brandon on uh, the Why So Serious podcast. You can check out Scar on the Scarcasm Live podcast. Um, for Brandon and Scar, I'm Derek. Uh, thank no, 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 no. What? Also... Derek was on Derek was on Jeff vs. the World Hood Classics talking about Prince. That was such Purple a Purple Rain. Movie. Such a bad I, Go I listen to, to it. I used to love podcast. that movie. I used to love that movie. It's, and it's, it's like it's the, that movie has turned into Wiz, the Wiz for me, where it's only about the performances and the rest of the movie can go fuck itself. <laughs> that movie is literally a oh man three things happen over and over again i listen i listen to jeff first world all the time when it comes out it's one of my favorite podcasts i did not listen to the episode with roshani yet because and i am embarrassed to admit this i've never seen purple rain at least i don't remember seeing it i might have seen it when i was younger and I want to watch it before I listen to y'all review it. No, you don't. Just please listen please to the do. Please do. That fucking movie. That, that movie makes no fucking sense. You don't have to watch None. it. <laughs> I literally, no I literally got on Jeff vs. the World because I knew that you had never seen it and I wasn't going to ask you to see it because I didn't want it to be like Problem Child for me, which we'll talk about on Hindsight <laughs> coming up this week. Again, for Brandon and Scar, I am Derek. Thank y'all so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. Peace.
single simulcast. Don't nobody out and you slip. 